What is good, everybody? Welcome to The Basement. Wanted to throw it back. And listen to this track in a minute. We're gonna listen to the we're gonna listen to the whole thing. Fuck with dope MCs, dope MCs only. This one I was uh I was in Minneapolis. Dropped the beat. This is far from finished. The beat's not done. But the bars came to me. Damn, this some super funky dope shit. The type of shit that's making niggas notice. That motherfucker that you won't smoke with Put your glasses up, we bout to make some toasts I quit drinking too Gases alive, everyone who knows me Knows I'm known for straight busting them dimes What up, stick? You know I miss you, my nigga I got some marijuana just waiting that one hit a quitter, my nigga Lucas, I know you want some mystic spooky slow shit So holler at your homeboy, these kids is getting grown quick Quit what up, fam? I was just hollering at Quinn this morning. Rest in peace, Big Larry North. I was talking to Cole today, too. Get it for our daughters and our sons. What up, Moose? What's good? Talked to Moose this week. I talked to Stick this week, too. I ain't talked to Lucas in about two weeks. Uh, I saw the homies. If you don't know, that's uh, you might have to go back to episode one. But uh, <laughs> episode one of the Granddad's Basement podcast. But that was... uh. That was a shout out to all my groomsmen. Uh-huh. We're going to start start bringing the levels down. There's no second verse. I don't know if I'll ever finish that track. I like to I like to make tracks and then uh I just let them let them live how they live. I don't really ever go back. I mean, I'm not I'm not a musician like that. I love music. I love making music. And then it gets to a point where they're, you know, sound decent enough if I feel like sharing it on the podcast, I throw it on the podcast. And this track existed before I ever I ever had a podcast. The concept was there. I had learned to uh I learned to kind of mix and master and utilize the program. Uh it's logic is what it's called. Maybe you've heard of Fruit Loops, Fruity Loops. It's now called FL Studio. Uh, maybe you heard of GarageBand Logic is uh, Pro Tools A lot of people heard of Pro Tools Logic is like a Like a super garage band uh, But I just like fucking around Making music sometimes And if I had I, I had a I had a, a A topic of conversation If you had One extra Hour in the day Just to yourself What would you do with that hour And uh Mine was I would use that hour to make music. If I could put one uninterrupted hour of time towards anything, it would be it would be music for me. What is it for you? If you know, and, and does it have to be extra time? Can you fit that into your current schedule? And my answer is no. I have no time uh, as a as a husband, as a father, as an entrepreneur to put extra time into uh recreational activities i'm out there damn stop bumping the mic so i gotta check check all right minor technical difficulty i got i don't know if y'all know or not i mean the the basement's kind of a it's a hood setup it's still my original original setup so i was just thinking as i was getting going like this computer 
it fell off the back of a truck or something that I run the whole the whole operation out of. I just had to delete a bunch of files. It's uh, pretty every podcast I had to delete the 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 mp3 file to clear up some room maybe speed up this computer uh when i get a few more bones uh we'll be upgrading some of the equipment but one of my issues right now it's not fully the well it is equipment related but it's the microphone cords microphone cords are very very sensitive uh piece of equipment and i'm down to one really good working one that one's actually the one for bella's booth uh, but I'm not in the booth. I'm outside the booth. I'm just chilling in the basement, uh, looking at these Rincon Mountains out the out the window of the basement, which is not really in a basement. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I forgot kind of what I was saying there to kick off the podcast when the the mic was 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 the, the mic cord has to route a certain way and it was bumping up on my chest. So sorry for for the technical difficulties, but. Uh, music i was just you know thinking i don't the the time the time that i put forth into the things i'm most passionate about like i wish that i could like had the ability had room on the plate to fit the music in there more and like i remember 2020 if y'all go back and listen to the 2020 episodes of the podcast like there was kind of i was throwing some new beats out there a couple of tracks a little more often because we had a little bit more time I wasn't commuting to the office every day, you know, uh, was staying up late every night. Everybody's schedule was messed up. I remember thinking back of 2020. I've talked about this before, I think, with Guy, just like how wild 2020 was for you. But I don't think I mentioned it. I remember like coming back from the grocery store. There was that little blip in time where people thought the coronavirus lived on surfaces. And I never was one to wear gloves. But I would come home from the grocery store and strip down into my drawers and come inside and then we would disinfect the groceries. So just interesting times that we've came through. And if y'all remember, I I was saying back then we had a we had a we had a work meeting. We had a business Skype call or a Zoom call and the whole real estate team was on and it was just kind of we were just talking about our feelings and emotions. And it was how how, you know, where do you think we are in this? And this is like end of March or yeah, like end of March, early April, 2020. And like, damn near my whole real estate team. And it was just an opinion question. You know, where do you think we are in this beginning, middle or end? And everybody was like, middle end ish, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. You know, we're kind of kind of towards the end. And I just was like, the absolute very, very beginning. We're so far from being anywhere near out of what's to come and we are still in this and the long-term ramifications are, are i mean obviously yet to be had because it hasn't been long term but things are i remember saying on the podcast we're two years away from like things kind of starting to renormalize and here we are two years later pretty much it's march 19th today 2022 and we locked down the in, in tucson the original two weeks to flatten the curve it was friday the 13th so 14th 50 it was monday the 16th where like that initial shutdowns kind of started happening and governor ducey was like yeah except non-essential or essential businesses can still operate and that was Man, there's like a hundred businesses able to still operate in Arizona. We didn't really like things were shut down, but they weren't like bars were shut down. Restaurants, restaurants were 
it was weird. Restaurants were weirdly shut down for a little bit. They kind of opened back up, but wouldn't didn't have dine in. I mean, everything was kind of the same in a lot of places. But uh, as we now kind of renormalize and all different situations going on in the world, all prayers uh, out to Europe, specifically the Ukraine. There's wild shit going on over there. We'll see. We'll see how this turns. But uh, that's not that's not what I was uh, was what I was wanting to talk about. But I was just sitting back. I was thinking about. My groomsmen, you know, my, you know, my very good friends, my best friends, uh, and just wanted to kind of open the podcast up with, with that track. I ain't listened to it in a while and sorry if I was talking over to it, you were trying to vibe there, but, but that was, uh, that was my jam. That was one of the first like tracks I made when I learned how to use all this studio equipment and mad shout out to Alejandro Carrera. Uh, I mentioned him on the podcast before, but he taught me how to use all this studio equipment. And I think that's where kind of the mic kind of started to, to jack up. I'm looking forward in the next, uh, next year or so to upgrade some equipment. Uh, yeah, but I was, uh, I was flipping through, I wanted to kick in. I wanted to talk about kind of leadership and coaching and parenting those are all kind of synonymous for me they all blend like they are different roles you know you parent differently than how you would coach like I'm coaching uh big G's t-ball team it's his first year we got like eight kids on the team it had not even a full baseball team right it's t-ball we had I think we had 10 at the first practice and it's dwindled down a few kids ain't come back I think we have seven now so it's interesting the kids who showed up to the first practice and then whose parents allowed them to quit. Right. So getting to see that as a parent, getting to see that perspective as a parent coach, uh, and also the type who has, you know, I'll say it, I'll say it. I got leadership qualities. I, you know, I've just inherent leadership qualities. And I really go back and think about my life and the crowds that I've gathered around and the crowds that have gathered around me and the the vocalization, the, the voice that I've been able to have within those groups. Like I've been just kind of naturally a leader and then th- found myself in leadership positions, just a lot to do with military after a lot of just leadership training, winning awards through leadership training. So I feel uh, I have a good perspective and... I'm hesitant to say this, but if not, a step below mastery of leadership. Uh, and that's just by actions. And one thing to work on would, would be how to project that. So that's why I say one step below mastery, because one thing about being a leader is how to, you know, if, in the event you're no longer the leader, the next man up can immediately slide in and replace you and there really be no no backstep, you know, uh, things will obviously go a different way. If you're taking over a leadership position from somebody else, you're going to make it yours. Right. But pretty much the, the vision, the outlook, the, the, a lot of the roles and procedures are going to carry forward in your absence. Uh, and, uh, I was reading through, I was reading through my old notebook. I found some notes from speaking of 2020, I found some notes from 2020 and this one, I got to find a date. So this is February. This is before I was journaling every day. However, this entry from February 3rd, 2020 is one, two, three, four, five. And I, no, no, no. 
four pages. It's four and three quarter pages. But in it, and I just, I didn't even read like this whole entry, but one of these pages, it starts with uh, teach and present life to live and preserve life. Make things generational. Okay, so traditions, have some family traditions, you know, and have your, your outlook last a very long time. And then I write, and I think uh, this needs to be worked, but it says state of mind equals mentality equals legacy. But I think state of mind and mentality is the same thing. So your state of mind, which is your mentality, is your legacy, all right? And can you pass your state of mind, your mentality, can you pass that forward? And can you do it in a way that's not projecting, all right? Can you live a life that somebody wants to to emulate, all right? So I think of that just as a, as a father, uh, as, a, as a leader, you know, as a husband, am I outputting, you know, my absolute best? Uh, I need to pause for a minute. I got I to gotta mess with uh, the mic levels. This is, uh, I'm in a weird position right now. Pause. Check, 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 check. Check, 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 check. All right, I'm going to probably leave that in without editing it out. I uh, just need to turn the volume down. I got uh, just the mic cords are jacked up, so they got to be routed a certain way. So I had to turn the, the mic r- r- volume up so I'm sounding louder in my headphones than I usually do uh, in order to, to pick up my voice. Uh, but then that entry goes on uh, another little bit. And then I found on February 7th. So this was before I was journaling every day this year. I actually missed, I missed a day of journaling. I had a wild day. It was uh, big G's very first T-ball practice. Speaking of that was on March 9th. And I remember specifically because that was the day Biggie Smalls died. Rest in peace. Uh, Biggie Smalls is the illest. And I missed that day of journaling because I had, I had a wild day at work. I don't remember. I have to go back to my journal entry from March 10th to because I wrote in there specifically what I did the day before I was at like four or five or six houses or something across the county and then got home like right at like 4 30 maybe even five to leave for practice around five or a little after five uh then we had practice till 6 30 came back to the crib bath time uh put the boys down and then Mrs. Rain and I had you know just a little kick it time with each other. We maybe watched a little something, read me a little bit of Bible and, and passed out to sleep. Uh, so I missed a journal entry that day. And it actually, obviously, since I'm talking about it, it's still, it's still bothersome to me that I missed that day. I had a perfect record going January, February, and then, you know, second week of March, miss a day. It is what it is. I can probably not be so hard on myself and excuse myself, but uh, I like to journal every day. As a, If you go and listen to the Can't Believe I Made It podcast, with Desi Abeda. Uh, he just dropped our episode. If you listen to, I think it was episode 79 of the Granddad's Basement podcast, uh, he dropped that as a cross cast with a nice little intro uh, for it as well. So a, a little bit different words. And if you're not checking out his channel, uh, he's got a lot of content there, a lot of content for, for your soul, just new age man shit, if I may. And uh, one thing he's really big on is journaling. And journaling emotional dumps. I find myself taking notes if I'm listening to something or an idea pops in my mind, uh, just jotting it down, writing it down. I have journal entries that are just one line for a day. Perhaps I just had one thought that day. I wanted to write it down and that's what it was. But 
the actual emotion dump. That's one thing I would like to work on a little bit more is putting uh, putting my actual how I felt that day. And he he actually says, you know, even if it's once a week, an emotional dump, I want to continue to journal every day. But then maybe like once a week, every Saturday, you know, or Sunday, do an emotional dump. This is how I feel right now. This is how I felt throughout the week. Uh, and as I was going through this journal, so that entry that I, I had read before, teach and present life to live and preserve life. I think that's, uh, there's a lot to that. You gotta, you know, you gotta, as a, as a dad, you know, I want to teach. I don't, I do my best to not miss a teachable moment and I want to present the world to my sons in a certain way. And in order to do that, I will answer any question they ask honestly while preserving their innocence. And if it is something that they don't need to be concerned with, I let them know, like, oh, we'll talk about that when you get older. Like, we don't necessarily need to go deep on X, you know, addiction or the the, the persecution of of uh, a community or what like a genocide is. I like, don't need to teach them everything, all things worldly, you know, at, at too early of an age. And that's coming from a perspective of a, 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 a kid who grew up too fast. All right. If you, you all don't recall, I've been kind of the adult, been the head of household since I was seven years old. All right. So I've spent to a certain extent, you know, take away bills and providing the roof over the head, like decades as an adult, right? Uh, you know, I'm. Uh, some people don't have their first moment they realize life is forever changed and you're an adult until they're maybe 18. Maybe you're in your 20s, depending on how your life goes, how affluent you grew up, all right? Mine was about seven, all right? I was cooking, cleaning for myself, you know, brushing my own teeth, waking myself up for school, uh, boiling water and cooking for myself for, from before I was seven. I just remember being in second grade, waking myself up for school, showering, brushing my teeth and get myself out the door. That was kind of those moments. But before that, prior to that, like I was cooking for myself, mac and cheese, you boil water to cook mac and cheese if you're doing it right. Uh, I st almost started a house fire uh, we had, uh, I put pop tarts in the toaster and the toaster started on fire. Like, so I was cooking for myself. Yes. Any idiot can push a toaster thing down, but my oldest son, he, he'll be five over the summer and he's never touched the toaster. Right. But by, by the time when I was his age, I was hopping up, getting the toaster down, hopping up on the counter, getting pots and pans, uh, a cabinet tree, getting myself bowls, pouring myself cereal. That boy ain't never dumped milk for himself. And by four, I was pouring myself bowls of cereal. All right. So I'm looking to present life a little bit differently to my family, to my kids, to preserve, you know, their innocence, right? Teach and present life to live and preserve life. Okay, so if you're the teacher, right, you're the parent, you're presenting this life, all right, and presenting it to your children how they should live accordingly to the rules and regulations of society, all right, and how to live on the edges of that, how to live within that and on the edges, be on the fringe sometimes. You don't necessarily have to be in the middle of the box, all right, ask questions, be you. Let's you know, and let's preserve, let's preserve this life. Let's make, you know, let's make this mentality generational. Let's stop generational trends and keep things going forward, right? Positively, 
I feel where I come from. I'm not supposed to be where I am today. All right. But on paper. All right. I, I, I dead or in jail. Like I was living a the lifestyle where just kind of deadbeat cat, you know, throughout high school, you know, before I joined the Air Force. Like I would uh, I think I've, I'm sure I've said this before, like I would have just ended up going on a beer run and getting in a fight and accidentally killing somebody or getting killed myself. Right. That's the way my life was trending, just working overnights at a gas station, not interested in like going to school further than a high school education. Like I would have continued on that trend. And that's one thing I do give my pops credit for, like recognizing he got to me a little too, too late. Right. Or he was not, you know, I guess you could phrase that a multitude of ways. He wasn't involved until I was damn near 14. And it's just too much time had passed. I was already a certain type of man becoming a certain type of man. And he realized you know, to, to snap this into shape, he couldn't. Ha- it wasn't up to him. It, and the military needed to happen. And because of that, which I'm very grateful for, because of that military intervention, I feel like it elevated me two steps. You think about like when I think about life and raising children, I want my kids to do better than me. Absolutely. And just even if it's just one step, you know, at whatever age, let's just say at 35 or when, let's see, when did we buy our house? We bought our house 2018. So I was 30, uh, 33, 33 in 2018, uh, bought a house. So I want my kids to be 32, 30 buying a house. If I can do it right, they'll be buying their first house when they're 25. You know, real estate is just a a great investment. You know, saying that the country kind of maintains some sense of stabilization. I know a lot of things are out of control and there's a lot of different viewpoints and sentiments, but you know, overall, if we could just be optimistic and I'm a pessimistic person, but if we can remain optimistic a little bit, at least in the moment and think things will pretty much stay the same. I know shit's wild right now. Gas prices are through the roof. Goods, price of goods are going up. Everything's pretty much gone up 30%. Like you think I'm like the little things don't matter, but when you add it up, when you're shopping for a family, and all prices went up 30%. Like, that's a big deal. When I go get a gallon of milk, it was $2.59 last week. It was $2.89 this week. That's a 30% jump, a little bit, a little bit more. Actually, milk went up 30 cents. Uh, so interesting. And I, I when I checked out this week too, I was like, damn. And it was after we shop on, on the 15th, our local grocery store gives a uh, military and veterans a 10% discount. So even after that 10% discount, the price was still higher than I was anticipating. And it didn't, I didn't really get, I got less, I felt, than I would usually get. There was no meat, and you know, there was bacon and hot dogs, but we're stocked up on beef, uh, ground beef right now. Uh, so the cart, the cart had less than what I think, uh, what I would consider a heavy week, but the price was comparative to what a heavy week was. So just like, damn, okay, things are, things are changing, which in my mind, entrepreneurially, all right, I got to kick this in gear and start, you know, picking up some of these, these side jobs while I'm still focused on my current job. That's, that's the balancing act. So my primary focus is still, I got three families on my back at my job. I got to take care of my paycheck is, my family uh, and two different realtors, actually three different realtors, family, four different realtors. I have five families on my back. Wow. Wow. Just one, one of those cats sells uh, an astronomical 
astronomical amount of houses. Um, so he's my primary focus, taking care. So we all stay paid, you know, so we're, we're all just scratching each other's back, washing each other's hands uh, and making sure things go. So while that's my primary focus, I'm still trying to get side business going with the company that I'm upstarting. And uh, I had, I've, I've mentioned it a few times that I wasn't ready to get into it, but I think I, you know, and I'm kind of all over the place, but I'm focusing on starting, it was going to be three companies, actually. Uh, two of them I'm going to merge because it's basically one thing. I still maybe will have three LLCs and write things off a certain way for tax purposes. I guess I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to play that, but the the one business is a handyman company and that's just I'm 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 a very handy dude. I'm a bricklayer's son, right? I grew up on construction sites, right? My stepdad's a bricklayer. And then my dad, although he didn't have the type of, you know, influence that I have within my family and on my sons, there was still a lot learned there. And he's a very handy individual. He tried to start a landscaping company. He picked up little side works, but ultimately it came from um, growing up without, you know, growing up in uh, not quite poverty, but far from very high, let's say high, high, lower class, not even low middle class, high, lower class. Uh, so to save money and you learn skills. All right. And those are skills that were transferred to me. I got a lot of things from my stepdad out on the construction sites. And I got a lot of things from my dad, you know, just water heater replacements, toilet replacements. You know, we put on additions on houses built, uh, a half a house. The addition my stepdad put on our house in Wisconsin, we basically built three times the house that was it. He bought this little shack of a house and put a massive addition on the back. Kitchen, basement, uh, one bathroom. It was a two bed, one bath, and a living room. Little itty bitty house, probably 900 square feet at most. And we turned it into like probably a 15 or 1600 square foot crib. Uh, and then ad- ad- made an addition on it after that. And then he built a garage after that. I wasn't part of the garage thing. I was already moved out, maybe even in the military by the time he put that garage on. But we had a nice little, boy, half acre, maybe three quarter acre. We had woods on that little lot of land. We had a nice lot of land in Wisconsin. that They sold that house, moved out into the sticks. Anyways, and then my dad on his house, we put addition, a big addition on there. We probably... Uh, a 1200 square foot house and turned it into an 18, maybe 2000 square foot house. Uh, so like I've always had my hands on when you're doing a full scale addition like that, you do everything. I mean, plumbing, electrical, excuse me, all, 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 all the things. So I know how to do a lot of the things and, I, and there's things that I won't do as well. And I have the business relationships to refer jobs that are too large, but yeah, I'm look, I'm branching into that. And that's what I like to do. I like to help people, right? That's the name of the company, right? I'm not going to tell you the specific, but help, help is in the helper. I'm the, I am the helper. I, li- I, I love to help people. I, sh- I shine through that. So as I, you know, as I, you know, continually remain a student of life and keep my entrepreneurial mind ticking. Those are leadership things that I'm going to teach my sons. Like you can go off, branch off and do your own thing within the system that you're working within. All right. You don't have to be trapped if you feel trapped in any given career field, career path. Desi touched on that 
uh, on episode 79 of the podcast where he's like, look, I can't do this nine to five bullshit. Like it's not for me. And I feel exactly the same way. And it took me decade and a half to really realize it. Uh, and now my current uh, business situation, it's just not working for me. And it's just for me, just plain and simple. This is not the situation that I any longer wish to be in. So I'm going to take matters into my own hand and, and get it going. And I think that, that, you know, part of that is part of my legacy. That's part of my mentality. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little too brash to be working under people. Like consequences are not of my regard. Like I will always do whatever the fuck I want to do. And if it happens to so be overstepping or wrong, I'll ask for forgiveness later. And fortunately, the things that I want to do are generally pretty positive and don't hurt anybody uh, to include myself. Like I'm, you know, I, I, ran, I bumped into a buddy of mine uh, recently and I don't remember we were at a bar, I think. I don't, I don't drink. I stopped drinking, but I still like go hang out at bars. And I think I bumped into him at a bar and he said to me something to the effect of, oh, your, your girl, he's not married to his girl, but they got five kids between them. They live together. They own their house together. So it's, uh, but so he's, he didn't say your, your wife, he said your girl, just whatever. It's just his context uh, vernacular that he used. But she don't mind you being out like this. It's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, first of all, it's none of your business. Uh, what, what's going on in my relationship. All right. Well, watch what questions you ask somebody just off rip, but you know, but I, I'm not easily offended, but I'm just saying, uh, but two, uh, I, well, I, and obviously not because I'm here uh, and two, like I do what I want to do when I want to do it. All right. I, this was, uh, I get a group of veterans together. We were out kicking it. It was a vet check night. Right. So, uh, and then that was, we talked about it. I cleared it. Hey, I'm getting the boys together on, on this night. Uh, I'll, you know, after bedtime, I'm picking up Seth and, and we're dipping out. So that's that. So it's interesting that he's, he's come from a play and that, and I have that liberty, if you will, because 9.9 times out of 10, I'm at home doing what I'm supposed Supposed to be doing. It's not like I'm out every night raising hell, you know, fucking around, you know, that's, that's not my lifestyle. So when I do want to go and not be, it's, it's very rare for me to not be home when the rest of my family is asleep. Like I'm the guardian of the household. So for me to not be there, that means I'm replenishing myself in order to give, as Desi was saying, your cup runs empty. You give, you give yourself, you give yourself, you help as many people as possible. You give, you do, you, that drains your soul. So how do you replenish that? You need to go take time for you. And even if that's on a Friday night out wherever, listening to a live band with, with, with your homies, like go and replenish whatever that looks like for you. If it's go make music, if it's go take a hike, if it's go to the library, if it's just lock yourself up for a little bit, read a book. If you need to just, you know, cut off, turn the phone off for a few hours and go catch a movie in the middle of the week at the theater by yourself, like go do that. I remember like having the sentiment and hearing people say, as well, like, oh, I can never go to the movies by myself. Shit, that's one of my favorite things to do. Like, I love just going, being able to detach, like, just for a little bit, just for a little bit, be in my own little world, maybe smoke a little blunt, and just go kick it. Uh, 
And I don't know, it started at journaling, uh, but to go, to go further into the journal. So leave your legacy. So that to me, I'm going to read it one more time. Teach and present life to live and preserve life. Make things generational. All right. Your state of, state of mind equals your mentality and that equals your legacy. So what can you leave behind? All right. Again, I haven't said this in a while, but my, the legacy I want to leave. Can anybody, can anybody finish my thought? The legacy I want to leave is for my grandkids to be able to share nothing but positive stories about me to their kids. All right. So that is generational change. There are certain things that stop here. There are certain generational trends that will will not be carried forward. And my wife is of the same sentiment. She's just very positive. We're doing things extraordinarily different within our household. Uh, but that journal entry was from, what I say, February. Oh, look at that. The dates are hidden. I was dating things differently. I thought that was all one thing. Okay, so from February 3rd, February 5th. So that wasn't that long of an entry. So February 5th, I got one, two, two and a half pages, February 5th. February 6th is when that was from. So I was journaling a fair amount. It went third, fifth, sixth, and now on to the seventh. This one, bear with me. I'm going to read this. It's not, I mean, this is a journal entry. It's not like it's refined, uh, uh, well-written, uh, ready to, to be published or anything. But uh, I'm going to read this out of my notebook. But it's uh, from February 7th, 2020. So this is pre-pandemic. Um, if you did not... <clears throat> Is just talk, as, we, as we continue on with uh, parenting and leadership. Uh, if you did not have an active male role model in the home, uh, you, and I'm referring to men. So, okay, this is from, uh, let me pause. Let me, let me just, full context, this is a man speaking about raising men and being raised without a man. All right. So if you, okay, so from February, the journal entry reads, if you did not have an active male role model in your home, you were raised in an ineffective way and have a harder time grasping the flaws in your own manhood. A woman is able to is unable to confidently discuss what being a man is the same way a man is unable to confidently discuss what being a woman is. Men who have never had a man intimately explain the emotions of a man to them leaves decades of uncertainty uncertainty in the search for himself within oneself. This preoccupies the emptiness, the emptiness left from the empty nest when your father left and your mother wept, but kept you fed, but the tears still shed forever and ever until he's dead. Only then will you be a man. Till then, amen. Um, sorry, that was a little shaky. It's difficult to read. I should have maybe rewrote this in a legible way there's inputs and scratches out and i mean one of the words doesn't even look like a word <laughs> it's this but it doesn't seem like it is but i found that i found that interesting and i, and I believe that to this day uh it's kind of part of the things i teach so like not having a male in my life it left me stunted i was very stunted as a man for a very long time and that shows itself through you know, ego, selfishness, self-righteousness, um, anger, right? Like all, all those things, they, they, they manifest and it comes down to not being taught, right? The proper way, like life was not presented to me in, in the most 
preserving way in order, you know, to preserve my mentality as a man, a woman, you know, it takes, it takes both parents ultimately, all right, to have a well-balanced, well-thought human being enter society. And that doesn't necessarily mean both parents within the household. Things happen. You know, some people aren't meant to be together or can't figure out a way to remain together after having kids, right? But it's still up to the both of you. If you're both here and available, I understand tragedy happens by, you know, by way of death, imprisonment, or maybe just somebody is, in fact, a deadbeat mother or father, and they're not there. But let's say they are there, you know, willing and able to participate. You need to co-parent whether you are in the same household or not. There needs to be levels of agreeance because even a man can better prepare a man for the emotions of a man, but it still takes the side of a woman to to bring balance to that universal balance in all things. And I found myself just having, you know, just the anger, the ego, just all those at the forefront, not understanding the way the world saw me. There's still people out there, probably to this day, who think differently of me than I think of me and that I portray and that what then what is true. And that does that's not something that bothers me. That's just something that is. And I would love to have the opportunity to represent myself to a lot of people. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that represent myself to anyone who thinks as such. I don't know who, who may or may not think anything of me. And maybe there's people who, don't even have a recollection of me, but if they were to meet me and be like, oh, hey, oh, and would be like, oh, you were way different in middle school or high school or when we served together. Like, yes, I was on an odd path and I'm still on that path in coming, in becoming who I am going to become. I'm still not who, I'm a lifelong student. I want to be forever changing. I want to be forever uh, understanding, receiving information, you know, not glued to any one set of ideas or any one idea, period. I'm open to changing my mind on virtually anything if presented the proper uh, counterpoint, argument, debate. Uh, I like to talk things out. I like to learn about people. Um, and I don't think, uh, well, that, yeah, so let's go on to the, the, the second half of that. So, uh, men who've never had a man intimately explain the emotions of a man to them leaves decades of uncertainty in the search for himself within oneself. Uh, that, that was everything that I just said. Uh, this preoccupation, uh, then it goes into rhyming. So when I talk about making music, kind of like my core, like the core of me, like I wanted to be a rapper. Like I didn't have, I still have, I still struggle with goals uh, and dreams. And I've been dreaming lately. Let me get into that in a second. Uh, but I, I thought for the longest time I could be a rapper and then I, I make music and sometimes it's received very well, depending on how I put a track together. But oftentimes if I like I, if I rap something, it's so complex about the interworkings of my brain that it almost doesn't make sense. Right. So but but this. So. So when you're talking about a man. Uh, and a lacking man who is uncertainty about himself. I go into the rhyme like this preoccupies the emptiness, the emptiness. This preoccupies the emptiness from the empty nest when your father left. 
right? So they're like that, you know, a man not having a man to guide him, a boy not having a man to guide him leaves you empty. It truly, truly does. There's holes. And to at this point in my life, like I'm past the point where I need a father. And I was talking to this cat, OG, OG, Ken, is a former client, is my friend, his wife's my friend, and I cannot wait. I want, I'd love to present him to you, y'all on the podcast. Um, along with his wife, they've had their life completely upended and derailed, and they stayed together throughout uh, just medical situations. Uh, she's, so they're a married couple uh, in their late fifties and she's in a wheelchair, had a, has a tracheotomy, you know, has issues speaking. Uh, but when, when tragedy, but he said to me, he goes, yeah, I didn't have really my dad involved either. I met him the day I graduated high school and, uh, then it got to a point, you know, we couldn't really get things going but we did decide, and I told them, I was like, look, I'm beyond an age in which I need a father, but maybe we can try to be friends. And as I sit there, and he was saying he was in his late 30s, I'm in my late 30s now, when that happened to him. And it really, as we had this conversation, some of my, my the hole I felt in my soul started to close a little bit, because it's like the hole that your father left you with he didn't say this. And no, I'm just my, the way I, my, my takeaway, the hole that your father left in you, like it, it has to be, you have to close that. Like you don't need a daddy anymore. You are a daddy. And that's so true. Right. So, but it did leave, you know, decades, decades of problems in, as I, as I continue to search, search for myself. Uh, and your mother wept, but kept you fed. Yeah. Mama worked hard. You know, I, I will always say, excuse me. I'll always say my mom did the absolute best that she could with the tools in which she was given. And she had her own, her own issues, generational issues that were passed on to me that stunted her as a parent. And I won't get into any specifics, but those are the, some of the things that I was talking about that stop here. They die with me, you know, and then so let me read. Let me read the whole rhyming part again. So uh, uh, this preoccupies the emptiness left from the empty nest when your father left and your mother wept, but kept you fed. But the tears still shed forever and ever until he's dead. Only then will you be a man till then. Amen. Uh, and that that portion uh, is a John F. Kennedy Jr. quote. You're not truly a man until your dad dies. All right. So now maybe I'm kind of, you know, rethinking that because you get maybe if your dad wasn't, and maybe that is for people whose dad was involved in their life. Right. I just had a, a friend of mine just today. I found, I was talking to Quinn, my cousin Quinn today. He's like, Hey, big Larry died. Like, Oh shit. He's like, yeah, you know, Larry's pretty tore up. Little Larry. I was like, yeah, but now he can finally, you know, step up and be a man. Like now he's the man to lean on, you know, within his, his family. And he's, you know, I don't think Larry has any kids, little Larry, uh, but he is married. I haven't actually talked to him in a while and I haven't seen big Larry in damn near 20 years. Uh, but he was, you know, yeah, it's sad when people die and we can only prepare so much, but when we outwardly talk about these emotions and, and sh- grieve outwardly, and as publicly as certain people may be comfortable with it, you know, it can help with that. But the, what the JFK Jr. said is kind of, 
there's some truth to that. Now you can truly step up and be a man. Now you've felt for because Big Larry and Little Larry were tight. He's a good father and a good male role model. He worked in the school system, you know, you know, kept his eye on a lot of kids and and did a lot of positive things. And then for a young, you know, a man to lose that, now you can step up and really live in that person's honor and pass that legacy on, pass those traditions on and be a man cuz now and they're a Christian family, so now your dad is with Jesus, right? So you can you can rest happily, rest soundly on that fact. And I don't know how he passed, uh, but nonetheless, life goes on, and we live on in those people's honors when we lose them, right? And that's part of that legacy that we opened up with, all right? So so all all things is just parenting leadership coaching i'm coaching uh my son's t-ball team as i mentioned and it's just interesting seeing the dynamic of of families uh there's some kids there with their grandparents so i don't know the situation you know some kids there with both parents some kids there with one parent and i go i I'm still, we're only three practices in, so I'm still kind of learning the dynamics of these families, but you can tell some are split custody situations. You know, dad's been at two practices, mom's been at one with another dude. I'm not quite sure who he is. So just getting to learn this and see people's involvements within their families and trying to teach these kids how to, how to listen, you know, and play. Uh, baseball is hard to coach. It really, really is. I was very hesitant to even think about coaching kids t-ball because I feel there's a lot of qualities that I have that I would love to pass on outside of my household. That's why I was an education major uh, in college and since I've dropped out of college and I, you know, maybe I'll go back and finish my teaching degree, but I, I just don't know about that if I, I'm going to get back into teaching because I think I'm in Arizona for a very long time. And just financially, that doesn't make sense, especially when I think of an entrepreneurial mindset. I can teach in other ways as an entrepreneur, but a little bit more difficult to teach kids. But coaching is a step towards that path. And I've coached basketball since I was a teenager. I got, I mean, not 20 consecutive years, but 20 years ago, I, I coached my first team. And a couple years after that, I refereed some youth sports, uh, soccer, hockey, basketball uh, in Minnesota before I joined the Air Force. So like youth sports, I really enjoy that and, and being a, a presence uh, and a positive role model out there for certain kids. Uh, and I've specifically coached basketball multiple times. And we think about a basketball court, the, the physical, the literal boundaries, they're very, very delineated. Like, you know, this is your rectangle. There's these lines. And if y'all don't want to pay attention, you can run between these lines. So shut the fuck up and listen or else I'm going to blow this whistle and you're not going to have a fun practice. All right. I'm going to have a great time. <laughs> I love making little motherfuckers run, especially when they're not listening. That's much, much more difficult to do when coaching four and five-year-olds playing t-ball there's no there's no boundaries on a baseball field it's a bit one of the fields doesn't even have dirt it's just over an overgrown field we're kind of guessing where the bases go uh there is a home plate and a bat you know where kids have dug in uh, dug in meaning they're batting that's where their feet stand and dig your feet into the ground before you hit 
So that's that's it. And then there's a backstop and some bleachers, a couple fences, but there's no no field there or no baseball field. It's just a field. Uh, so it's very difficult when you cannot see the boundaries of the game to teach personal boundaries within the game. Because at this age, we're teaching uh, just listening, focus on the field, right? The how to run around the bases, how to hold a bat. Right. It's not, you know, we're not really allowed to throw in the air. We do a lot of rolling of the ball. It's kind of, you know, I'm the assistant coach and the head coach is his second year being a head coach. He's like, yeah, these are the rules. And I'm just like I said, I'm brash. I'm like, I would rather ask for forgiveness. Uh, I'm not like we need to teach these kids like the game. They don't roll a fucking ball when playing baseball. Like, like, no, we could pick it up and throw it. Uh, but it's very difficult to do. And I think I, I started saying this, but didn't finish saying this. Like, it's interesting. We had like 10 kids at the first practice and now we're down to seven ish. Maybe there's eight, but one kid specifically, it was interesting because he reminded me of my son and he he started crying over some bullshit. Um, and big G is he's just a very sensitive young man and he's teaching me a lot just as a as a parent uh just as somebody who wants to learn about people's psychologies and how to react to them because every your reaction is what you're in control of in all things so how do i react to this boy who's nothing like me or like i ever was like he's he's got all of the sensitivity uh, that uh, that i was not able to to have or, or keep at least to, to at this age. And it's very interesting. He's teaching me a lot at the same time. Like there's bullshit that comes with that. What I would consider bullshit. I mean, call it what you want and judge me how you feel necessary. But when you drop a toy and you start crying over that, that's bullshit to me. Like, no, just, just pick it up. All you have to do is pick it up. So trying to stay, not try to staying patient with that and using those teachable moments. Hey man, you cannot cry when this happens. It is absolutely okay to cry, right, when the time is right, but this is not the time for that. I know that makes you upset, unhappy, sad, but all you have to do is this to rectify the situation, all right? And then there's moments where, hey, yep, that's totally justified. I'm sorry that your feelings are hurt, that um, that, that happened to you. It shouldn't, you know, just uh, context. Context is king. Uh, so this kid started crying. Somebody threw him the ball, and he didn't catch it. It's very, very hard to teach kids how to catch with a baseball mitt. Like, it's very, very challenging. Uh, like, Big G just, he won't, he don't even, like, try yet. But this kid, some the ball went, it went, I don't know if they were rolling it or throwing it, but it went by him. And he just started crying. And I was like, hey, what's up, man? What's up? And he's like, well, I didn't catch the ball. I'm like, oh, is this your first time playing? I, I said, that's okay. Is this your first time playing? He said, yes. And I sit down. I just sit down on the field. I'm always taking a knee or sitting down in the field. Every now and then I crouch down, but I really, really get down and get below the kids' level if I can to let them know, like, hey, it's all good. I'm down here with you. Like, it, talk to me. Just talk to me. So I was like, hey, that's okay. Is this your first time playing? Yes. Well, look, that's my son right there. And I pointed over at Big G. I'm like, this is his first time playing too. All right. And it's okay. You're not going to catch every ball right now, but the goal, we just want to try to stay in front of it. So you don't got to cry. Why don't you take a few breaths, breathe. And we breathed. And then he went through practice 
and he listened. And it's interesting to see how some kids, their learning curves, because by the beginning of the first practice to the end of the first practice, that kid I was just talking about and this other kid, they're both of them was their first time ever playing. They were ex- exponentially better from the beginning to the end. They could take simple instruction and apply it very well. All right. So the, like, just bam. Okay. Y'all are actually really smart, intelligent kids, probably from a good household. To, I would hope, I would think. And if not, at least you got the brains. You come from a, a brainy family, brainy genetics. And that kid, he's no longer on the team. Like he had been, we've had three practices. He was at the first practice. And I presume it was, he was uncomfortable. I'm just, I'm projecting, but I'm presuming, I'm guessing he whined about it at home and parents allowed him to quit. And we signed up for this T-ball and we paid for this T-ball and we invested in a glove and a bat and a helmet and you're going to finish this season. If you don't want to play next year because you really don't like it that much, that's fine. But right now we need to learn this teamwork. All right. And it would, I thought it would have been really cool to have him still on the team as sensitive as he was, just like my son. This is the way he reacted in that moment. I was like, oh, he's just like Big G. Cool. We can work on this together. Like We could maybe form these families up and bounce ideas off each other because that whole takes a village thing. Um, I was looking forward to that happening, and it unfortunately fizzled. That kid is not involved. And hopefully... Like there wasn't some type of family situation go on and like that's why he's not there and, and maybe he'll be coming back. But it just seems like, yeah, no longer no longer on the team. So that's just when I when I think about leadership and parenting, like not allowing people to quit. Like you can't quit. Like that's not all right. There is a time when you cannot succeed. And maybe you're not good at something you need to part of part of being a leader is recognizing your own faults, where you are lacking and where somebody and when it's time for you to follow. Like, yes, I am the leader by title uh, war situation or a team situation, uh, but my strong suit is not this. But this individual is far better. Uh, let's let let's you know what is your insight? What can, what inputs do you have that we can take away for the group? So little stuff like that. But allowing people to quit—that's one. That my mom she did not allow me to quit. I didn't want to play baseball either at at a certain age. But uh, when it comes to a single mom in that context, needing to teach her boy some type of manhood and teamwork and eye hand coordination, like it's it's a, it's a must. It's a, it's a must. You have to do that. And whether you want to get your kids involved in youth sports or martial arts, you know, martial arts, I'm very much looking forward to martial arts. I actually wanted my kids in martial arts already. Um, a lot of dojos don't like kids below four and like even six sometimes. Uh, but I want to wait for baby G to be old enough. That way big G doesn't, he's big. The kid's big, big G, not just by 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 title like it's a fitting name but he go he'll he doesn't realize it but he goes and grabs kids give them big hugs and just picks them up i haven't seen a kid yet he can't pick up six-year-olds he'll pick up he's not even five um and he did it today i tell him stop dude you stop picking kids up like you can't do that you're not quite like you're big but i could still cause a really bad accident 
And I'm not trying to be liable for that shit, man. So just got down on a knee. Hey, man, hey, this you can't just pick people up. We tell you you can't pick people up, especially if you're on a playground up on the metal playground stairs. Like, stop it. Why there's metal playground stairs there? I don't know. They weren't really like rubber coated either. That was a weird one we were at today, a little kid's birthday party. Uh, but anyways, I just, and I, I don't know, I'm not like trying to judge and uh, I find myself saying judgmental things from time to time. I hope it doesn't come off like that, but I take parenting very serious. It's the most serious thing in my life. And one thing I have no tolerance for is lazy parenting. I mentioned that on the last podcast. All right. Stop your kids from doing the things that they're not supposed to be doing. If you need to take them off to the side and have a conversation, use that teachable moment, present them life. All right. I get tired of don't let your kid masturbate in public at any age. That's not acceptable in society. Don't let your kid quit. We need to learn this teamwork. All right. We have, you have issues. All right. We all have issues. We're all born with issues. You know, that na- nature nurture thing. So how can we nurture your nature? All right. So I just rant and a tirade and uh, I said I was going to talk about dreaming. So I think that, that that's it. That's all I have to say about that on leadership and coaching. I uh, will probably never be done off my soapbox about parenting, uh, but I'm going to I'm, I'm going to I'm going to move on before we wrap this up and get up out of here. But uh, dreaming, if y'all remember back episode 20 something, maybe 30 something, my man Stickbird was on. This was February 2020, right before pandemic kicked off, my man Stick was in town, and I wish we would have had this conversation with the mics hot, uh, but we were just out in the backyard at the crib just kicking it, and he started, he asked me, hey, bro, do you dream? And I looked at him, I was like, no, do you dream? He said, no. I was like, however, sometimes I'll be driving, I'll go through a green light, I'll be midway through the intersection, light will turn yellow, and I'll be in, I'll be clear in the lane, I'll be in a three-lane highway in the left lane, but somebody from the, the, the perpendicular lane will turn into the direction I'm turning in, and that, like, it will be like deja vu, as if I dreamt this moment. Nothing of meaning, you know, maybe it's just, uh, you, you ordered something through a drive through and the person responded, and that kicks off that deja vu feeling. And some people just, they have this, like they dreamt this in the past, all right? And some people way more vivid than others. And that has been ongoing and continual throughout my life, and Stick expressed the exact same thing to me. And then furthermore with that, if we don't remember, like we don't wake up being like, oh, that's something that I'm going to see in the future. We wake up. 360 days per year, not even having a recollection that I dreamed the night before. And that has been most nights of my life since, uh, I mean, for decades, like I just not dreaming for decades. And they say everybody dreams, right? Uh, You might not remember your dreams, but at least you will remember that you were in a dream state. Now, I don't even have that. It's just waking up blank. And then a few times a year, it's like, oh, I was dreaming last night because uh, it's it stands out. Those nights stand out. It happens, you know, two, three, four, maybe five times a year. And then maybe once or twice a year, like actually remembering a dream. So I got I was talking. I was talking about this. I was talking about that conversation with my little brother. I was like, man, I don't I was, I was like, do you dream? He's like, yeah, I dream all the time. I was like, man, I don't dream. And 
he go, I was like, but I have these premonitions. However, the premonitions don't ever amount to anything. And my brother, my little brother, in his infinite wisdom, he says, oh, your shit's blocked. I was like, what? What does that mean? So now as life is, this was, this was a year, within the last year, but within the last six months, you know, I found my way back to, back to Christianity, back to Jesus. All right. So I decided, well, first things first, I just like, I've had problems getting up in the morning. I think I was talking about this on the last podcast, but I've been praying to wake up early in the five o'clock hour. And I have been waking up in the five o'clock hour for most of this year so far, just on some prayer shit, no alarm, nothing today, Saturday. Like I woke up at 5 a.m. I woke up at four, like 45. I was like, nah. Then I woke up at like five or five oh five, something like that. I was like, all right, cool. And I just stayed there, but I was real comfy, comfy. Didn't really have nothing to do. It was Saturday. It's like, I'm just gonna relax. So I relaxed in bed. I was awake, but I relaxed in bed until about quarter to six. And then got up, let the dog out, made some coffee. And then the rest of the family got up. Uh, but that's been it. So I was like, well, if God could change my whole like circadian rhythm. And get me up early. If if it's your first time listening, like I like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I've been waking myself up for school since I was seven years old. So the psychology built around that was shower at night, sleep in as late as possible, wake up, brush my teeth, and like slide a shirt on as I'm going out the door to school, like just as late as possible. Like I would be very first period, starting in like sixth, seventh grade, like. I'm sliding into my seat as the bell's ringing. Like most kids are, you know, parents are dropping them off at school or they're hopping on the bus. Like not, uh, not me, not me. It was, it re- I was responsible for getting myself to school. I went my whole senior year, didn't ride the bu- bus once, didn't have a vehicle, made it to school most days, just kind of figured it out. I've been, had a real interesting time figuring life out. I sit back and think about stuff. That's a story in and of itself. But I, uh, the, I started praying for, for dreams and sure shit. I've been dreaming. I've been dreaming. I wake up remember and remembering dreams, but two of them stand out to me and I want to get into this is just cause I had a takeaway from these two dreams back to back nights. This is this, this week, your last today's Saturday. So earlier this week I went to bed and this one, this was my first dream. And it was lucid. Like I haven't dreamt in months. I was like, you know what? Cody told me my shit is blocked. So maybe that I have, maybe there's some visions like I should be getting and maybe I can ask God for some help with that. And part of my evening prayers, every night before I go to bed, I pray. I pray for a few things in particular, you know, strength, you know, strength, st- physical strength, strength of willpower. Uh, in, in, in times of temptation, uh, health, uh, familial health. I pray for uh, clarity when presented with decisions that need to be made. I pray for uh, a good night's sleep. I pray to wake up early in the morning. And now I've been praying to dream. You know, God bless me with a dream. And if God so wills it, gives me a dream. So the very first one, the very first dream I had recently this is, mind you, with I haven't had any zero recollection of even having a dream in months, a year. 
lucid dream. If you're not familiar with the lucid dream term, that means you know that you're dreaming you, you, and you're active in the dream and you have some sense of control over it. So long story short, then I end up out at an after party after some event and that I drove to, but, and I was sober, like I don't drink in real life and I was not drinking in the dream. But again, I was at a bar at, a, at an after party at Al J's bar, which isn't even a bar anymore. And it wasn't the real Al J's location. It was, it was interesting. So, but there was this hoochie trying to get all up on me. And, uh, oh, hold up. Something's up with the, all right, we're all good. I got, sorry, I got the hood set up over here. The, uh, the, the computer monitor is a TV. And even though the screen is moving cause it's recording and there's a bar that's moving, it's still the screensaver came on. So I want to make sure that didn't cut out, but we're all good. Uh, so I'm at this bar, I'm at this after party. And then I get in the back seat of the car that I drove there and these two hoochies drive back. We were staying at a, a hotel uh, or event center. I don't know exactly. Apartment complex. I don't know. But we were in like an underground parking lot. And we're just dispersing for the night. And this hoochie gets up on me and is, you know, trying to kiss me. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I'm married. And you need to have a little respect for not only me, but my wife. Like, I ain't, we, we did, I ain't with you. Back up off me. Uh, so that was cool because it was a lucid dream. So I was in control of it. So that made me feel good. Like even in my dreams, like, uh-uh, that ain't happening. Family man. Like I ain't destroying lives like that. That's not what we do here. And then the very next night, this was not a lucid dream, but uh, a lot of things led up in this dream to this moment. But I end up on a couch with Mrs. Rain. I'm next to her. Like I'm to the right. She's to my left. And then there's this other couple we know. The dude is next to Megan and his girl is next to him. Right. So it's me, Megan, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend sitting like that. And we're watching a movie kind of laying down. Megan's leaning on me and dude leans over and like with the same lips that Hoochie in the other dream was trying to kiss me with, like his lips were all looking like that, trying to kiss her. And like, I kind of glance over and I see it. And then he tries it again. And I kind of mush his face, stand up and I get on top of him on this couch and just kind of smack him a few times. And then that couple then goes into another room and starts arguing with each other. And then her, Mrs. Rain and I, we're just kind of listening ish just kind of more or less like what the fuck was that about and then i wake up you know pretty much right after that you know but i found it interesting because my takeaway like and i don't know if it's personal or or just broad spectrum a man woman thing but like for men or for me i need to watch you know outside evil like evil from the outside trying to come in and get me, whether that be, you know, temptation from a woman or the wrong business opportunity, something coming from the outside. Uh, you need to be be very weary and be the protector and stand up and do the right thing in any given situation. And from the woman's perspective or from my household's perspective, you need to be weary of those that you're close with trying to derail, you know, your mission or your your commitments 
so it was interesting. Be, so at the end of the day, too, though, be weary of those on the outside of your circle and be weary of those on the inside of your circle. And I don't think it was anything particular about the couple who it was. It was a, a couple that I know. Don't know them perfectly, but I know them and they're kind people, family people. Uh, you know, so it's I don't think it was about him specifically. I think he was a metaphor for people within your circle getting too close and trying to take an opportunity that was not meant for them. And in that moment, I happened to be there. But watch those you allow around your family, because there might be an instance when you're not there able to protect or provide or stop a situation. Uh, So that's that. Yeah, I'm gonna get up out of here on that. Uh, I'm gonna play. I think I'm gonna play that Christmas just 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 the beat. The track me and my brother in law made at Christmas. I think I'm just gonna throw the beat on, and maybe I'll follow up with uh with another track. Yeah, it's just a musical track. I'm feeling I'm feeling musical uh on this one. But everybody be cool. Check on a vet and hug your loved ones. When it comes to me, that shit like me, that shit like me. Cause niggas, niggas is a writer. Cause 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 niggas is a